You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Scoped Out, Shooting Optics and Accessories. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. This is episode number 91. My name is Rusty and joining me tonight are the general ragtag of gentlemen, over here, Andrew, how you doing? Yeah, very well, Rusty. Thanks for hosting us tonight. Oh, the the uh, invoice will be in the post. That's <laughs> all right, just uh, Mr. Badco can pay that. Speaking of Mr. Badco, the man with the golden tonsils is here. How you going, Rusty? I'm good, mate. How you doing? Good. Excellent. How have we all been, guys? It's been a bit over a month or thereabouts since we all got together and talked whatever we talk. Rubbish? Probably not as eventful for us as it has been for you. No, I've, mm. I've been keeping quiet, laying low. What, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> mm. You need to do my job for a while. <laughs> yeah. Gents, have you been shooting, fishing, uh, oh. staring? I've been shooting a couple of times. Yeah. Um, just and chasing fishing. foxes and fishing, yeah. Yeah, foxes are getting a bit quiet, mating season. Okay. They're not cooperating like you like them to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Non-responsive. Yeah. Good to be out, though. Got a few. I've just been doing a little bit of... Pest bird control with the kids at the farm, so that's good. Okay. So. Very good, and that's gone well? Not for the birds, no. <laughs> Everyone else, it was pretty uh, successful. Well, as long as someone's happy, I guess that's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I've been off to the PRS. That was good fun. That was uh, probably the most dominant factor for me in the last few weeks. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of that in due course. That's been all-consuming all is probably the appropriate word. Mm-hmm. I, even, I even got a podcast out late because of it, although getting podcasts out late doesn't seem to be that hard a thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, podcasts, hey, Greg, I, I noticed your mate on the, your mate on the other podcast uh, seems to have backed down his left-handed brigade against uh, humanity. No, he's trying to defend what can't be defended, I suppose. You know, he's a lefty. It's yeah. hard to shy away from, isn't it? Yeah, I have to give some credit to uh, where credit's due on the Hunting HQ podcast. Uh, I, I hear the Rum Barons has started standing up more for the right-handed people in the world. Yeah, there's a bit of division in the team <laughs> over at Hunting HQ. They've turned on themselves. Okay. That's what happens when you uh, you let the lefties sort of start to edge up a little bit. Yeah, you can't let them uh, sort of get any momentum, that's for sure. You've got to treat them like North Korea, really. <laughs> <laughs> sanctions, <laughs> lots of sanctions. Got to be firm with them. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. So a couple of things to follow up on. Uh, speaking of PRS, the PRS, yeah, the Vortex Cold Steel Open in Mildura went very well. 60 shooters and lots of rounds down range and lots of targets being hit and plenty of targets being missed. One of the things to make mention of on the podcast was we ran a little competition to name a, a PRS stage. Oh, we did too. Remember yeah, that? Were, were, yeah. were we going to give something away or other than know. just some credit, maybe? Credit? Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Uh, yeah, actually we will. The, the name that we chose uh, was That Escalated Quickly which for those playing at home, there's a movie reference there. Either of you guys know what it is? No, it's not coming to me. <laughs> I've got kids, I don't watch movies. <laughs> well, this movie's a while ago, uh, but it was from Anchorman. Okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> Andrew's up to speed now. Yeah, Greg still doesn't know what no, a movie is. I haven't is. seen that. Yeah, no. Greg, Greg used to go to the movies back when uh, you know, they would play the piano uh, next to it. Well, that was um, on my horse. That was a while back. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so Jeremy Cusack uh, put that up on Facebook. So, Jeremy, get in touch with us uh, as soon as you can and we shall organise to get something out to you. That stage was a stage where you had 15 rounds in a box behind you and you would have to put your rifle down, go grab one round, run back, single feed it, shoot, target, I don't know, 250 or 260 or something, then come back, grab two rounds out of the box, put two in, single feed, and then run back, grab three, and continue on like that. Quite a challenging. I think a few guys managed to get all 15 off, but not that many. I think you had two minutes to do it, which sounds like a reasonable amount of time, but you also had to get up and down a fair bit and make sure yeah. you counted out the right number of rounds. I was going to say, probably accuracy killed more people than... I think time. I think was time. Was it more guys, time? Yeah, I think guys yep. hit a lot, but just how much they hit. So they were all right with heart rates and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. I think a lot of guys realised they'd probably never top-fed their guns before either. Yeah, okay. As well. So that was a Not a practice skill. No, yeah. and being very adaptable for it. There's actually another relevant PRS stage name, another one, uh, which was called Climbing the Badco Ladder. Sounds good. A rip-off of the uh, climbing the corporate ladder, which we <laughs> thought was appropriate. <laughs> so, was there like an extra entry fee for that stage, or you know, it was cash prize? It was a cash prize, yeah. <laughs> a large cash <laughs> prize, a large cash prize. That's exactly right. You made an appearance uh, oh, there wow. by name, Greg. I've been immortalised in a <laughs> some sort of stage. Uh, royalty deal coming on there, maybe. No, no, it's all unofficial. This is a bootleg, a bootleg PRS stage. <laughs> Bootleg Badco. <laughs> there's, a, there's a good brand there, if anyone's wondering. The other thing that happened at PRS is I had to weigh in on my weight loss uh, soldier on fundraiser from five, six weeks ago. So on the Saturday night, just before dinner, <laughs> we had the room full. Uh, most of the shooters were there, about 75, 76 people were all out for dinner, thanks to Mark One Developments, who put that dinner on for us. One of the local guys brought some scales along and I had to jump on there hoping to be 118 or better. And I was nervous, but belt off, hat off, you know, anything that was appropriate to take off I did. The whole lot, Sam, the whole lot. (laughs) I said appropriate, which is up for debate. Anyway, and I was very fortunate. I weighed in at 117.4. So we, we clocked it by a little bit. And I think we've ended up raising, assuming those guys who committed to it have done so, somewhere around 700 bucks. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, that was really, uh, really exciting. And then immediately afterwards, I got challenged to do another 10 for, for Bucken with the uh, hashtag 10 for Bucken, and I'm declining. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Starting to push the limits? Well, going back to back has not been uh, – not, not I've not been motivated enough. What I've got to do – it's amazing the, the difference when you, uh, when you put out to sort of 10,000 listeners saying, uh, yeah, I'll do it, how much motivation you get to actually do it. Yeah. After a few drinks on the night and you go, yeah, I, th- I think I might do it again mm. to a couple of blokes standing around you. Motivation is not quite there. Yeah. <laughs> so we might we might uh, reintroduce that for the next PRS uh, coming up later in the year, perhaps as another challenge. Try and do a, a bit of a fundraiser. So uh, I'll try and lose some weight for Bucking, but we won't make anything formal at this stage. Although those guys that were were offering to do it, they were offering to do it as well themselves. So mm-hmm. be good. And something else that has come up since last time is we asked for some reviews on iTunes. And we did have a couple of guys jump on board and give us some reviews on iTunes, which thank you very, very much. 
So as per last time, we thought we'd chuck one of them into Google Translate. Now God, I, th- I, I can't remember what language this went into, but I think I think this got run through Estonian or something, or maybe two languages. Anyway, Andrew, uh, please read our review. Okay. Um, Rusty, Andrew, and Greg are great to hear. Much useful information will be won if some of the heels are not very serious. Okay. <laughs> And it is always a good time. Yep. Got that bit right. Yep. <laughs> they also bring some informational guests like Bryce Bergen's long-range shooters in Utah. Continue good job with maggots. Have you been drinking, Andrew? <laughs> yeah, I have actually. <laughs> I think so as a translator. <laughs> you might be right. I think that last little bit about maggots came because they put gents on the last. Oh, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Lost in translation there. No, I, I like this version better. Hey, one thing Andrew wanted to ask you about, and, and we did have, uh, there's been some comments floating around Facebook this last week about it, and, and I've had a, a phone call or two about it. Depriming 6.5mm Creedmoor brass from Lapio with the small primer pockets. Yeah. Yeah, you've seen this? You, you're familiar with the No, I can issues. see where this is going, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So some guys have obviously been causing problems with their brass by their decapping pin striking. Or more to the point, jamming. Jamming. Yeah. Yeah. What do we need to know? Get the right size decapping pin. Hmm. I mean, I know most manufacturers would would offer it. Um, you know, like some particular brass obviously has small flash holes. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess you just have to make sure if you've got the small flash hole version of the brass that you just have the right size pin I don't recall offhand what size it is what the two small. sizes are small oh, mm. small and big make sure you got the small one <laughs> See, I don't know what you're worried about yeah but it's pretty straightforward yeah and it's got the small flash uh, the small primers on the 6x47 is this just a unique yeah. thing to 6.5 or is no, it no 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 it's like oh it's like 6 mil PPCs and there's a number yeah. of cartridges that have them it's. I guess it's considered to be sort of more uniform ignition and that sort of thing. So the the issue lies, Greg, that that guys would have bought six five Creedmoor bra uh, dies standard, mm. and that would be oh, set yeah. up for the larger flash hole. Oh yeah. Okay. And then of course they've got this lapier brass, and they're getting jammed and stuck. And yeah. All right. All yeah. Because I, I guess it's a transitional thing. The the spec on the cartridge was probably stipulated yeah, a standard large, yeah, large yeah. flash hole to start with. So. So that that's the problem. So I, I would say just be aware of it, you know, whether you need to get the new, you know, stem for the die or not. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a Reading decapping universal decapping tool off Projectile Warehouse, and that um, that does a good job. Um, yeah, I guess it's probably for guys that are not using a separate decapping die; mm-hmm. they're using well, either a full length, out, full length, or a um, neck die. Yeah. With a you know, decapping pin, like rod and pin. Yeah, with an mm. expandable. Not necessarily even with an expandable. If you're using mm. bushing dies and you're not using expandable on, on that mm. um, stem, you've still got the pin there. Yep. I know you can get large and small versions, so you just have to make sure you get the right one. Yeah. So, trap for new players? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether whether die manufacturers go down the line of, of making the small pin as a standard. Because that would still work in the large one. Yeah, there's no downside to that, is there? No. Oh, I mean, it's obviously a little bit smaller in diameter, so it probably could snap a bit more easily. But, um, 
my guess is no, not really. I mean, if it's punching straight out and you're not misusing the die, it shouldn't be a problem. Mm, okay. So if all the dye manufacturers are listening, that's uh, I've painted that idea. <laughs> I'll gladly take royalties on it. Yeah, yeah, just send them to a uh, bad guy. No, 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 okay. no. He's cashed in enough. <laughs> the rich gets richer, mate. That's how it works. Yeah, I know. That's why we're struggling. <laughs> Greg's over there just drinking away on his uh, was that gold juice? <laughs> gold juice. Gold coloured juice. He's going to claim claim it's orange juice, but it's got, I saw the gold flakes in there. I know what you like. <laughs> He's speechless. Since when did that happen? Well, what do you say to that, though? He's <laughs> sort of like the modern-day Cleopatra, really, isn't he? Yeah, really. Mm. I mean, that's what, how you end up with golden tonsils, isn't it? Oh, God knows. <laughs> There's probably a few very inappropriate jokes you could tie to that. We'll, we'll leave them to Simo, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> so the other thing that's been going on this week in the US is the NRA meetings, the, the big public gun show. Have you guys been looking at any of that, following any of the releases there? No. Uh, just a little. I see uh, there's an interesting one from SIG brought mm. out their Ballistic Data Exchange. Yeah. I know uh, Nick Vitalbo has been involved with that. He so has. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, effectively just um, interfacing a rangefinder with a scope. Mm. I guess you could – it's probably not doing it justice to put it in the same sentence as a um, – Eliminator or that type of scope, but it doesn't. Uh, it, it uses a separate device for your range finding. Mm. But uh, yeah, interesting concept. Absolutely, it does seem. I mean, AB were were involved with that as well, and it does yeah. seem they've been fairly active. One of the releases I saw from Kestrel was a Ruger Kestrel sort of fifty seven hundred equivalent. I don't know if you saw that at all. No, so I didn't. It, it comes. It's a Kestrel. And it comes preloaded, set up for Ruger rifles with recommended loads and such, and has all the data in there to get you hidden, you know, various distances and stuff. So effectively for guys that don't want to go through all that process themselves mm. or just plug and play. It's a bit of a twist on that app, uh, that adjusted AB app for just a particular... For the Bushnell one. Yeah, for the Bushnell. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it's, it's an interesting... Uh, move and and you know it's more of that sort of just straight out of the box, uh, you know, straight out of the box thousand capable sort of scenario where guys have everything they need in the box with the gun away they go. I'll get a picture of it up. Hang on. Just so you know, uh, rusty people listening can't see the picture. Just uh, putting it out there. See, we, we've said this before, and we've got these show notes where people can go and they can find a link, and in the link it'll take them to. The things that we talk about. But, you know. Shut up with your technology. <laughs> yeah, I just heard blah, blah, blah. Technology, blah. You know. Yeah. Now, just wants to know what the purchase price is. Of, of the company or the device? Everything. <laughs> okay, found it. The uh, Ruger Kestrel 5700 Ballistics Weather Meter. There you go. Have a, have a little look at that. So... That's a, an interesting thing, and I, I suspect we'll see more and more and more of that sort of you know, coming with the, the rifle set up and, mm. and out of the box sort of scenario. And, and I guess that'll get people started, and they'll they'll mm. offer the the firmware upgrades to go to full full Kestrel, no doubt. Yeah, you're probably if it's right. a fifty seven hundred body, you should be able to do everything. Just pay the pay the difference to go to a full as your interest grows. Mm. So it's a scalable, interesting, really good tool. Yeah, really good. 
move. So I, I suspect we'll see more of that. We'll see more of the devices hooking in with that SIG. Like like as that SIG is, we'll see more devices hooking in on the same tech. Yeah. I mean, even the fact you've got um, scopes like that, uh, the Revic, you know, making their, mm. I mean, they're, they're sort of, um, you know, on the market now. They're, they're selling. So yeah, I think it's going to be interesting what comes out in the next sort of year to two years mm. in that regard. So Absolutely. There will no doubt be a, a huge sort of increase in electro optics and other such things, I suspect, and integration between devices because it's happening. It's happening everywhere else in the world, well, in the in life. Mm. So it's it's you know inevitable, I guess. Really, you know, you can dim your lights from your phone and yell at a little box that plays music. So uh, there, there's all sorts of integrations like that happening, and uh, we will see it in forum stuff as well. What do you reckon, Greg? Yeah, it looks pretty good. It might might already be a, like a fully functional Kestrel firmware, um, just under the Ruger banner. It would be interesting with, to see if it has all the, um, you know, the custom drag profiles and that sort of thing. Because I think with the sport was it Sportsman version, you had a, like a limited eight hundred meter range or something, wasn't it? I suspect that this one is limited in some way. But again, I'm not sure. The, yeah, there's the no detail there. There's no. No. It does really. say I store up to ten guns, but yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It's a mystery. I'm sure probably Kestrel and Ruger have got a fair idea. No. Maybe if they just send three of them to us, and we'll evaluate that to uh, six. I think six. You want you want one in each hand, mate, right, to make this work. You don't want anything in your left hand, really. Bound to go wrong. <laughs> I've got nothing to say to that. That's, that's fair. Sums it up. Are it? you listening, Simo? <laughs> Are you listening? Right. So there's some matches coming up around Australia as well. There is another PRS match in Bucken. Bucken, just to clarify. Yeah, right. I was a bit worried what you said there. <laughs> and that is uh, Far East Gippsland uh, in Victoria. If you're hoping to go to that one and you haven't booked in, it filled up in 10 hours. Uh, so, um, that, sorry, that's that one's full. But there is another match in not long now, a couple of a week and a half in uh, Canberra, which is part of the Precision Service Rifle Series. So check that out. That's Canberra one on May twentieth. Worthwhile. There is going to be another PRS released in the next week or so, and I, I don't think I can I can formally say anything about it. I can probably informally say it's going to be somewhere hot. And it's going to be in the middle of August, but I'm not sure I can formally say anything about it. Well, well, I think, I think anybody that lives in Australia would be able to put two and two together, roughly. <laughs> it's in Hobart. <laughs> That's right. Hobart in August sounds sounds crisp. Oh. So, any other news? There was a rimfire event as well in Adelaide. There was the rimfire event. As well, I don't have the date for the next one in front of me, although I think it's in July, so we got, we'll certainly announce that in the next one. All right. I'm waiting on two rimfire rifles. Yeah, what are you waiting on? Well, the Tika, which I've been waiting on forever. And, Any news uh, on that? Oh, mid-year, I heard, so I guess it depends it's on... getting close. This one or next? Well, yeah. ask Beretta, I guess. <laughs> um, no, so, and then I've uh, picked up a little Lithgo number 12, mm. uh, model 12, whatever you want to call it. Good for PRS. Probably would be actually. Mm. I'd probably go in there and smoke rifles worth ten times as much. <laughs> no, it's a nice little gun, so 
a little bit of Australian history. Mm-hmm. So, produced in about 1948, I think. So, hmm. Very good. Uh, I do actually have some uh, those rimfire dates now. So, there is the a rimfire, practical rimfire carnival in Mildura, where the PRS was held. That is on the last weekend in June, uh, which is certainly have a date attached to it, whatever that may be. Be the thirtieth oh, and the first of July. Yeah. There you go, thirtieth. That's right. The other date uh, is the one in Adelaide. It's actually in Tail and Bend, and I reckon that's the weekend afterwards. I reckon it's the the Sunday, which is July the eighth. So back to back rimfire competitions happening uh, within five hours of each other. Pretty pretty good to see that sort of stuff happening. So you can find, we'll link some details on Facebook about those two. The Mildura one is through the Long Range Shooting Club based out of SSAA Mildura and the other one is at a Tail and Bend Club, which I don't know the name of, Tail and Bend Shooting Club, we'll guess, and that's part of the Practical Rimfire Challenge, which you can find on Facebook. So there's some uh, competitions happening. Greg, read that question out that we had come in from a listener, if you would be so kind. Okay, this is from Richard. Love your show. Just got a question. I have a PRS. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear the first bit again. Sorry, can you just say that again? I didn't hear that properly. So this is it's from, from Richard. From Richard. Yeah, I heard, that, heard that bit. He's got a question for us. Love your show. Ah, oh, that, that was the oh, bit, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is satisfying. <laughs> I won't do it a third time. Love your show. <laughs> just got a question. I have a PRS-style rimfire, a CZ455, 16-inch with an LSS22 chassis and some cool bits on it. You've got to have cool bits. But I was wondering about glass. What do you guys think would be a good scope and reticle for 10 to 200 metres for a rimfire? Happy to dial or hold? Cheers. Just for interest's sake, two budgets, 500 bucks and 1,000 bucks. Right. Now, before you answer, this may make things easier. I ran our question through Google Translator, just through uh, uh, two languages, including Afrikaans, and... Uh, I thought I thought it might make more sense if we if we read it out this way. It says, "If you love your show, you just have a question." In the PRS style, the CZ four five five has a sixteen inch LSS twenty two chassis and a few cool pieces. But I wonder about the glass. You think fairy tales will have a good ten to two hundred meters <laughs> and cover the boat? I'm lucky to call or call. The discipline makes only the two budget five hundred thousand dollars happy. God, when you read those, it reminds me of like a night on the Terps and the second <laughs> bottle, you know. Either that, or it's a North Korean listener sending a question. <laughs> yeah. We've got a fair audience in North Korea. Uh, not anymore. No, we, we don't. don't. <laughs> Tomorrow they won't be with us anymore. <laughs> You're welcome to answer either of the the questions. What do you guys? Any thoughts? Any go to? Bits and pieces. I guess I start thinking from the reticle point yeah. of view. So, what sort of drops? You know, you've done a, a few PRS rim fires. It's you don't really shoot beyond two hundred, or do you have the odd? I'm just thinking what what would be a good reticle for to cover without dialing the most likely sort of drops. I think you're going to be fine out to. Well, it's interesting because today, actually, ironically, mm. had a conversation with a, a friend of mine who manages a gun shop in Victoria, and I w- was sort of looking for a cheapish scope to put on this Lithgow 22, mm. and had been looking at some of the Hawk 
optics range. Um, oh, yeah. And they do a, a line of their lower-priced models, um, and I actually committed to, I haven't, haven't actually bought it yet, but committed to buy a um, 3 to 9 by 40 with a 22 subsonic-specific reticle Mm-hmm. Which, from all accounts, is is very close um, with with most brands of subsonic twenty two ammunition. Okay, out to what range? Two hundred yards. And interestingly, in the the literature with the scope, it also tells you if you want to use the because it's actually marked on the reticle uh, from you know zero to fifty, and then in twenty five yard increments. Uh, if you want to use them in meters. Uh, you have to set the scope on 7.9 power rather than 9 power, and then it ca- it subtends correctly for meters. Perfect. Um, and you're talking a $300 retail scope. Yep. Um, you know, look, I mean, you may want to spend more than that. It depends on sort of what you want, I guess, but um, that's sort of what I've settled on. And, I mean, I've you know, checked out a fair few reviews on them, and... Uh, and, and people are saying that yeah, it's pretty close. It's certainly close enough to hit yeah, rabbits and whatnot. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, you should be able to tweak it again with zoom, like you say. You know, if it's not quite right at its calibrated yeah. zoom, you should be able to just tweak it either way to to sort of calibrate it. Yeah, and I mean, it, the sort of all the reviews I could find were that you know, one guy had been quite ex, you know, extensive with his testing and had mm. tested seven or eight different. 22 loads, you know, subsonic loads all around the same velocity. Yep. And he found he was was very, very close with all of them. Yeah, right. Okay. So, I mean, that obviously, you know, there's no dialing or anything involved with that. You know, you zero and then just hold on the reticle. So, yeah. mm. what it didn't have is is windage holds. So, yep. you know, if you're wanting a, a Christmas tree type reticle or an inverted pine tree or whatever we talked about in an episode <laughs> a while back... Um, a sapling. A sapling, that's right, with multiple branches. <laughs> you know, if you wanted those wind holds, which you, you know, obviously can be a pretty uh, serious consideration if you've got any kind of wind at all with a 22, but um, mm. that could sort of yeah. write that out of the option, but just as a basic option. You asked before, Greg, about how sort of distances, you know, the factor into this sort of gear, and I think that we will see an increase in that. So yeah. uh, the the practical rimfire challenge guys here in Adelaide have been running sort of comps out to about the 80 to 100-ish metres mm-hmm. tops because they've been mostly on pistol ranges. Yeah. And so that's sort of the limits that they've got access to. They've got some other benefits of being able to shoot more, much more in an IPSC sort of style, sort of being able to swing around uh, sort of side to side a lot more uh, on a more more angle than, than sort of traditionally a lot of the rifle comps have been able to be run on. You, I think the one up in Mildura is going to be getting out to 300 metres, yeah, okay. I think. And then the, the ones that will be starting up down at Monado here will be out to, well... I think it'll be a gradual thing. They'll start out probably 150 or so, and then edge out and edge out mm. uh, for some, you know, some part of the challenge to, yeah. to see where they end up. Yep. Well, that uh, that new March scope we discussed, I think, on previous podcast. They they uh, they Why talk don't... about being able to dial out to a thousand with a 22. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll work. So mm. I I looked up a, a couple of options uh, for Richard. Uh, Thinking that the fairy tales will have a good 
10 to 200 metres. Around the $500 budget, I know that the Falcons have been popular. It's an M18, which is a 4 to 18 by 44 and first focal plane and dialable and still reasonable reticle options. And they're about 540 from scoped out. Big thing on those is, or a big thing actually on any of these is the parallax will come down close enough. So they're a 10 metre parallax, 10 metres out from there. In the higher price bracket, the there's a, the Vortex Viper uh, PST, the Gen 1 of them. They're, they're a high magnification scope of 624. They're about a thousand bucks, but your parallax is going to start at 50 yards. So, you, you know, your closest stuff, if you're going to have to be like really accurate with it, you're going to potentially introduce some parallax error. I did have a look, and I don't know a lot about this one, but the Cytron. Uh, 316x42S TAC. You guys heard of them at all? I've heard of Cytron, certainly, and yeah. heard generally good things. I haven't looked into that specific model, though. I know a number of the, the rimfire shooters over in the States have been running Cytrons, and, and some of the larger stuff, uh, but trying to keep the budget in mind, I think these ones ran around the eight $900, but they're they a parallax from nine yards, and they were dialable, and they were, you know, had reasonable reticles and all that sort of gear. So they may be worth having a look at. Yeah. So that should be... There's a couple of thoughts from me. Yeah, I mean, there are probably more options in the thousand-ish dollar mark, I would say. I mean, I haven't really been looking at a lot of the newer options, but, I mean, even some of the, the Bushnell um, LRHS models, the older models. I think a lot of places are sort of running them out for pretty reasonable prices, sort of just over the grand mark. Do you know what they come down to on Parallax? Because that's, that's the, the kicker mm. on, on that rimfire gear. No, offhand I don't. I'd have to look that up. But, um, if you end up with a, a real small target, say 20 metres or 25, which is not uncommon if you're doing like a KYL or something, your Parallax is, is well and truly enough to not just miss it, but miss it by a fair bit. Yeah, that, that's a big consideration, I think, when we look at the rimfire gear. Probably the biggest consideration, really. Yeah, no, that's fair. Absolutely. Well, Richard, hopefully we've resolved your question, both questions, depending on the language used. With much happiness. <laughs> no, it was just happy. Okay. Just happy. Are you happy, Greg? Very, always. Does it come through in my voice? <laughs> Except Monday to Friday from nine yeah, to Monday five. Friday. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, on to some data. I know you guys love crunching data, but I've got some data back from. Oh dear, don't look at that. You're cheating, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> I got some data back from the Vortex Cold Steel Open, and this this information will be slowly released. But this particular one might kick us off in a bit of a discussion tonight. This is about this is all the information from the what well, the guys used at the competition in terms of equipment and bits and pieces. So the first one we'll kick off with is cartridges. Can you guys take a guess at what was the most popular cartridge in 2018 the Vortex Cold Steel Challenge? Uh, open, be, open, sorry, open. I'd be betting six five Creed would be. How how much are you betting, Andrew? Um, half a bottle of port. <laughs> So that all we got left? Oh. Oh, no, there's, there's another quarter of a bottle over there. There's another two bottles. Don't worry about that. What do you reckon, Greg? 
I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, no, it's a bet I would not take. The 6-5 Creedmoor was 44% of the field. Yeah, right. Yeah. Any... All the cool kids. <laughs> All the cool kids <laughs> and some of the rest <laughs> as well. Anyone wanted to guess what number two is in that field? And by anyone, I mean you guys because no one else is here. I would, I would say six mil, Creed, yeah, but something six mil. Maybe that's only the really cool kids that are running that currently. Six five or forty seven. Just, just two sixty. Have, have a little think. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Two. Did you, did you lean over and have a look? My eyes aren't that good. <laughs> He's cheating, Sam. <laughs> We're already discussing how my phone switched itself to large font for me. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll pay that. Yeah, two sixty. That was a honestly, that was a surprise to me. Before we go any further, you owe yeah. me half a bottle of port too. I said there's a bet I'm not willing to Actually, take. You will you tell him. me what cartridge won? What cartridge? Yes, I can. What cartridge won? Six five cream. <laughs> Six five cream. I guess you had a like fifty fifty chance. I, I do believe uh, that's correct. I, now I'm now I'm doubting. Ash Porner. One, and I'm pretty sure he was running a 6.5 Creedmoor. Sorry, Ash, if I got that wrong. Um, pretty sure that's right. Anyway, yes, 260 was second, which I, I was surprised actually when I saw that. We'll, we'll go one more. Any guess what third was? 3.08. Yeah, spot on. 12% of the field were running 3.08. 15% running 260s. And then from there, as uh, six by forty-seven was next, and then a, a splattering of seven oh eight, six point five SLR, six XC, six Dasher, six Super LR or SLR, BRX, Win Mag. There's a Win Mag there. Oh, yeah, right. Uh Two four three, two two three. There's a few two two threes there. What was so, the uh, the largest? The three hundred Win Mag. Yeah, three hundred Win Mag was the. Uh, uh, that just the one gun was the only uh, long action in the field. Okay. Hmm. Anyway, so this this brings me on to a point. I'm going to build a new gun. Exciting time. <laughs> Thanks for amusing me, mate. Yeah. Um, and what build... is this gun's purpose? Oh, oh, good question, Greg. Mm. Nothing like, oh, what are you getting, or this or that. What is the gun's purpose? I, mm. I like the man, the, the way this man thinks. And he's just reached for a he's drink. Been listening to you guys for long <laughs> enough on this podcast. I'm actually saying the right things now. <laughs> he's got a script, doesn't he? <laughs> Lucky we gave him that script. The yeah, really good question. The purpose is a PRS competition gun, and that is the limitation of it. Just, just that's all it's set up for. So that is my goal over the next little while. I'm not in a big rush. I've got a few guns that I want to sell off and, and move a few things on and then really focus on, on you know, best in class or whatever it may be. But I'm going to ask you, dear listener, to get involved with this uh, because over the, the coming episodes and bits and pieces we'll discuss... Uh, sort of like we did with yours, Greg, back in the day. Yeah. Back when we, none of us were going Very grey. early days, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we all had colour in our hair back then. Well, maybe not Greg. But no, I was grey as. <laughs> <laughs> but the similar sort of process, sort of talking about, you know, sort of some decisions, but really want some input from those out there who are using the various bits and pieces. Mm. So um, obviously reading up on 
on those results from PRS has got me thinking about calibre. Well, you know, where you guys both own six by forty sevens, don't you? Yeah. In if you were to put something together now with this sort of purpose in mind, would would that that be your main goal? The, the, yeah, sorry, I your think, first choice. I think I'd stay with a six by forty seven that I chose. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like the cartridge, no doubt. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the reasons I built it has now been kind of addressed with the new small primer um, 6.5 Creed brass. Okay, yeah. Or 6 Creed brass as well. I'd, I'd possibly go down that line, but I'd, just the fact that everybody's doing it would probably make me, force me to choose something else. <laughs> yeah. I just, I mean, I'd run something like a 22.338 or something like that. <laughs> who, who would do that? You'd probably hit the muzzle muzzle velocity limit pretty quickly there. No, they're only sub 3,000 feet a second. <laughs> Just don't don't use the crony. I mean, look, the reality is the six five Creed is probably the choice um, because of availability, and you know you can get brass, you can get everything for it, mm-hmm. certainly, and everybody chambers for it. There's, it's you know, and I, I picked up somewhere I didn't read too closely into it, but um, <laughs> like US about to uh, adopt it as a military cartridge. Yeah, Greg put that up today, didn't you? What what was that? Well, I'm not sure whether it was was it to replace five five six or seven point six two. They said in the article. Okay, like as a sniping cartridge, yeah, or it's the standard sniping cartridge, and they you know made the statement that it's going to improve their hit chance by uh, was it fifty percent or something, or no, double their hit chance at a K. I mean that that would be easy enough to work that stuff out yeah. using AB to just run the figures, but um, I mean look. Like anything that gets picked up by the military, you know, it's cost comes down to run it. I mean, you know, give it give it two or three years, and even now, just brass six five Creed more brass would be a lot cheaper and a lot more available than yeah. six five uh, by forty seven. So, All right, here here we go. This is uh, from Army Times. Top special operations snipers will replace a seven point six two sniper rifles with a caliber that doubles their hit probability at a thousand meters, increases their effective range by nearly half, reduces wind drift by a third and has less recoil. What caliber is that, might you ask? The six point five Creedmoor. Yeah, so Big Army has been at work on its own. Intermediate caliber rifle round as officials simultaneously develop the next generation squad automatic rifle to replace the existing 556 squad automatic weapon, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So, uh, Gee, wow. so they're saying six and a half Creed as a, as a section gun. weapon, as a machine gun. There has been a, a multiple discussion over a number of years that. that Something like a, a 260 initially was the discussion. Mm. It w- would replace both ends of the spectrum and sort of meet everyone in the middle. Yeah. Uh, and that will be interesting to see. Um, mm. Okay. I hope I'm not right, but I have a feeling that could be <laughs> the, uh, the you know, ultimately be the death of the 65 by 47 lap. Uh, yeah. Actually, yep. Just so, through pure you know, like military it, popularity. Yeah, you know, the six five Creed's got got the slight edge on it, very yeah. slight edge on it. But if you're looking at building a rifle, would you go down a line of a brass that might cost you three times yeah. its price? I mean, it, yeah. when you say the slight edge on it, what do you mean, Andrew? Like, I think the six five Creed compared to the six five by forty seven 
is a little bit faster with the same projectiles and that sort of thing. You can load okay. them up a little bit more. A little bit more capacity mm. in it? Yes. Not yeah. a lot. Not a lot. Minimal. Yeah. So for me, it would that wouldn't be an issue. But if you're looking at a cartridge in that sort of size, yep. I mean, you know, it'd be a no-brainer really. If you can get brass of equal quality and it costs a third, yeah. you know, like, and just availability, you know, if mm. you can go in any gun shop and buy it versus having to, you know, <laughs> ring around and True. scrounge your odd packet here and there and, you know, I think give it five, ten years and the 6.5 or 47 maybe uh, yeah, a dinosaur. The Creed will probably become the new 308. Yeah, no, just something just else comes along and, everywhere. Yeah. and the cool kids will be uh, onto something else. So, <laughs> so let me let me chuck down a couple of additional parameters because this uh, this project is you know sort of going to be longer term, and no, no doubt we'll we'll talk about other aspects of it in in due course. And and I'm doing it, I guess, on the this public forum. So I hope others that are you know thinking the same thing, or you know, been shooting production in PRS and, and want to change up, or are thinking about getting into it and wanting to put their own thing together couple of parameters I've got for the overall project is, is yes, it's a PRS-dedicated gun. Now, at the moment, that's really a five, 600-metre gun as a requirement, potentially more, but for the sort of short-term foreseeable future, uh, that's, that's the main requirements there. So I'm open to, you know, from a calibre point of view, to a, a few things. In the same setup, I want to be able to run a twenty-two, so it's a separate gun. But in terms of uh, stock slash chassis options, I want something that will run a twenty-two as a you know, as a trainer, uh, not necessarily to compete within the the rimfire shoots. Although that's you know definitely not off the cards. That will certainly play a factor, and I do like the option of being able to perhaps. Either set it up as a two to three trainer, as well. But I think what I really like is is some ability to switch that barrel out to to change over into a two to three, uh, with a different bolt or bolt face on the same gun. That that's like an optional feature there, or the ability as well, and another optional feature to be able to swap barrels out. Uh, so I could get maybe two barrels or three barrels chambered at the same time off the same reamer for the same cartridge to be able to sort of shoot one out and then replace one without sort of any downtime as well. So I know all these things are possible. I know they're feasible, but they may sort of shoehorn me into particular decisions as well. So for the feedback we're going to get from our listeners, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. That's the goal of the target. I do have the glass worked out uh, to some degree, I'm either going to be running a Razer at Gen 2 from Vortex or a Carles K624i. So the, the glass is probably not coming to coming to this debate at all. It really is the gun and the platform it's set up on. Or possibly a zero-compromise optic scope. Or possibly a zero-compromise optic scope as well. I mean, instead of. <laughs> you can put it on there as well if you want it. <laughs> Well, I'm going to need one for each eye, don't I? That's true. <laughs> Very expensive oh, binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the, that's the Scala thing. So the, the other question that we didn't quite get to in Caliber is we talked about the, the 6.5 Creedmoor versus 6.5 by 47. So you guys are running sixes. Is six a better option or 
given the distance restrictions, is two to four a consideration? I, I would say six mil, probably not, just from the fact of the amount of rounds you're firing. Um, it will you have less barrel life at the six mil than you will a six and a half. Okay. Um, yeah, when you were discussing, you know, what you wanted this rifle to be physically capable of, and the distances you were shooting, two two three would do all those things. Mm-hmm. No problem, really. I mean, one of the challenges we had at the PRS in Mildura was the ROs calling impacts on two two threes. It was, and I experienced this firsthand. In fact, guy got a reshoot because we didn't feel we called it correctly, and we we got asked about it, and we yeah went went ahead with the reshoot because we were standing as as spotters. Um, I got called in to to help out because it was a two to three out at six hundred, and tell you what, I, I was second guessing myself because I was on an angle to the shooter about it and anyway under the reshoot i stood directly behind him so i could follow the trace and it was chalk and cheese being able to see the impacts from it but mm. had that not have played out that way uh, i would have uh, if i was the one shooting potentially missed out on a number of points because i didn't push those targets now it was a KYL rack, so the larger targets were quite large and heavy and didn't swing much, although they were relatively easy shot. The other thing that perhaps was in that factor is I think they were lighter projectiles. It could have been 55s or something along those lines, and that would have made it a lot harder to see versus punching it with like a 77 or 80 grain or 85 grainer as well. So that's the only sort of hesitation in my mind about something that's in the lighter setup. Mm. I was seeing a similar thing with six and a half and six mils on mm-hmm. one of the PRIs. A little bit of heat haze. I think it was out about around nine hundred, and it was tough to mm. to pick the six mil. Um, you really only picked it easily because of the kick of the dust. Yeah. Um, but yeah, six and a half mil, easy to pick. Yeah, consideration yeah. particularly for the longer range matches, which mm. I don't, which aren't necessarily on the cards in the next twelve months. Yeah, right. Here, although you know potentially. Potentially there will be so. So you think yeah, I mean, six having, five? Yeah, with those things as concerns, I, I mean, if I had to choose, if I was going to build a PRS gun, I wouldn't go six mil predominantly for the barrel life. Okay. Um, yeah. Good consideration. Yeah, and I like six mil, but I, again, I built mine for hunting. Yeah, uh, true. You don't tend to fire as many rounds. So I mean, well, you can if you're spotlighting, I guess. But um, <laughs> or if you're really bad at it. Yeah, or both. You know, if you spotlight again, you're really bad at it. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. So it would probably be a six five, maybe a seven mil. That'd be your preference. Just a, another question too. You know how we've talked about in the past these new hit indicators. Yeah. Are they going to become more of a frequent thing as competitions progress? Yes. Do you think they will? So does that remove some of that? Visual argument. That's a really good point. To clarify what you're talking about, there's a couple of brands of the indicators, Magneto Speed and Light React, for example. And when you hit the targets, they flash some sort of light somewhere. And the idea is to assist in a, in a competition format to assist the RO to confirm their thoughts about a call. Now, we use three of those Magneto Speed, the T1000s and Mildura. And the RO said that they helped immensely. Mm-hmm. And certainly our intention is that in time we will have more and more of those and, and at closer and closer distances because there's there's almost no reason apart from dollars to not have them. 
Yeah. Because they, you know, as an RO, they make it so much easier to go, yeah, no, that, that was got, mm. gone comfortably. And they, they really back up what you were thinking uh, as well. well. From a shooter's point of view, though, Greg, I think if you've got a bigger projectile, you're going to see it. Like, I mean, see, hitting the targets are well and good, mm. but in PRS comps, the, you know, the ROs aren't allowed to give you any feedback if you miss. So being able to spot your own misses has got yeah. to be a, a concern big, as well. Big kick. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. you're not going to shoot a 17 Remington. Yes, it might get there on some of the shorter ranges, but you're not going to be able to see yeah. where it's hitting if you miss. So. Maybe I'll build a 308. I think you should. Controversial. <laughs> 45, 90. <laughs> in a Sharps. In a Sharps, yeah, in a KRG chassis. I think that might be being done. Yeah, if, if somebody was going to do it, I think, <laughs> I think, I think it we would know be, who. Yes. I think it has been done. It's photos, photos flying around. It's quite a good photo, actually. If I can try and get my hands on that, we'll put it in the show notes. You know that that thing in the in the show notes where people can see what we're talking about, Andrew. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I study them every podcast, Sam. I thought I thought you might. I thought you might. Anyway, so that's that's the kickoff of this particular project for me and some of the results from the PRS. So, calibers, guys, if you are listening to this, please let us know what you shoot and why you've chosen what you shoot. And if you were going to choose again what you would do or your next gun, what caliber you're going. And, and more to the point, why? We sort of yeah, hear the reasoning behind it. Yeah, really want to know why you chose what you chose. And we will you know, put that information out from whatever you did to help me make a decision but also to help those who are listening along and that will make up some follow-up on our next episode. So get in touch via Facebook or email through the website or anything along those lines or just ring Andrew. His phone number is... What's your number, Greg? (laughs) And let us know what your experiences have been and what you enjoy shooting. I probably should clarify for those who are not familiar with PRS, a restriction that is on that calibre choice is 3,200 feet per second and it's got to be a 30 cal or less, although we did go straight to 6.5s and 6s, so there's probably an inherent bias there. I know what end up happening, I'll be able to build a 25 Creedmoor or something like that, something strange. So what's your budget? I uh, don't really. Or just a piece really at a know. time. Yeah, that's just. And just buy once, cry once. Yeah, I haven't really set a budget. I'm probably not going to buy a Harbu chassis from GRG. Yeah. But oh, come on, where's your sense of adventure? Well, my sense of adventure is everywhere to be seen, but my dollars are not. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking on this side of the uh, the couch, mate. Not on that side of the couch over there. We'll put two and two together, and you get what you want. Well, you, <laughs> Greg. Oh. It's a chassis. It'd probably only be about five grand Australian. Oh, okay. If yeah. not more. Yeah. Yeah. So but there is one at least floating around in Australia. <laughs> I have seen. Actually, Danny Delta. Danny from Delta is is shooting Bucken. I wonder if he will notice if it goes missing partway through the match. Just replace it with a whiskey three or something and see if he notices. I was thinking like a ticker ticker stock. Sh- <laughs> yeah, go with that. <laughs> Plastic to get stopped. Yeah, you'd never pick that. You would never, never see that. I've got an old Remington stock there. It's, he runs uh, something that'll fit into a Remington. That'll be fine. He'll never know. Danny, stop listening. You'll never know. Fully floated. <laughs> Remington's increased in value now. They're out of business. <laughs> Fully shoplifted. Yeah, perfect. All right, very good, guys. Well, uh, actually, I did have something else. 
We finally have our live stream back up and running for Patreon. Hello, Patreon viewers who have been watching us for the last bit of time. A massive thanks to those who are involved with Patreon. It has allowed us to upgrade a few things, and we have some more upgrades on their way and coming, which is excellent. So if you uh, do like what we do and you want to give us a dollar a month or more, uh, jump on a Patreon. Um, you do get some benefits for it. And if you don't like what we do, that is also okay. Just stop listening now. Please. You're probably left-handed as well. They can buy their way out of that. <laughs> Making the big presumption that left-handers know how to use computers. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Left-handed mice. Pushing the limit. Pushing I, the had, limit. I had a listener accost me at Mildura. Gentleman came up and said to lay off left hand. He said, you know, I'm a listener and, and, you know, thanks. And he was, you know, shooting the PRS and oh, thanks for coming, man. And he goes, I just, you know, like the podcast, just, you know, lay off left hand and said, no, no chance, mate, no <laughs> chance at all. And in fact, I'm going to disqualify for the entire match. <laughs> I was about to say, how hard did you punch him? And he did actually win something off the prize table and then I rescinded the the, the option to go and pick <laughs> up a prize because, well, no, hang on, no, he's left-handed, so sorry. So, uh, yeah, see what you've done, Simo. See what you've done. This is this is your fault, mate. But, I mean, you do in this age of inclusiveness and all that kind of rubbish. You have to include disabled people. Um, so They're fine, mate, but it's left-handers I won't tolerate. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty unfair to people that are genuinely disabled, yeah, by birth. And that, That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to involve them immensely, absolutely. Let's get some left-handers of people too t-shirts made up for giveaways, Sam. I was going to get a t-shirt made up saying, uh, I couldn't afford Bad Go signatures, so I just got Rusty's. <laughs> I do have a work colleague that's been rocking around in a Precision Shooting podcast t-shirt. I frequently offer to sign it for him, but he rejects my offer. I hope he's loaded. Oh, yeah. He's oh, got Bad Go money. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, we did mention last episode that the impact book that we had from uh, Rodney Mays, uh, we are going to give away a couple of copies and we are going to do that. Your opportunity to win the impact book will be coming up in the next episode. So stay tuned for that. Please, if you've got a moment, jump on iTunes, give us a review. And if it's... If it works well in translators, we may even read it out. <laughs> Greg, what, what language are we going to go for next time? Oh. Your choice, on the spot. Mexican. See, 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 see. What's that? Spanish. Mexican. Albanian. <laughs> Anything else, gents? Nope. I think we're in enough trouble as it is. Give us a review. That would be great. Thank you. And books to give away next episode, and we'll talk. What are we going to talk about next episode in terms of the part of the gun that we're going to talk about? Actions, barrels, muzzle brake? No, probably not muzzle brakes yet. Stock. So you're thinking action because action's going to dictate your stock, isn't it? Because if you want a certain footprint that you can interchange, hmm. that's probably going to dictate that. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I talking rubbish? So. No. Sensible. Maybe start with the action so then you can make other decisions off that. I feel a defiance plug coming on from Greg. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we shall defy our odds and talk about actions next. Yeah, we'll, we'll choose a defiance action next yep. week. And we'll be very precise and surgical about it.
Impact. And we'll look at the international effects of accuracy on that as well. I'm just Greg I'm just trying to make Greg turn red. No. Which is so where he's going pink in the cheeks. It's the pool. <laughs> it's the booze. We're out of here. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Scoped Out Shooting Optics and Accessories.